Welcome to this week's ASF Scots in Us podcast. And this week, I'm delighted that we will be traveling to Edinburgh as we get ready for the 2021 Edinburgh Festival, opening on August the 7th and running throughout the month. We're going to be joined by three leading organizers of the festival. First of all, we're in conversation with Anthony Alderson, who heads up the Pleasant Theatre Trust, normally presenting over 300 shows at 30 different venues. It's slightly fewer this year, but he's going to tell us what it's like as the year-round effort to put this together. And then Francesca Hodd, who is the Executive Director of the Edinburgh International Festival, will speak to us of the history and how the festival is developed into the largest curated festival in the world. And then we catch up with Lindsay Jackson. She's a deputy CEO of the Edinburgh Fringe and she'll be telling us of all the programming that is still developing every day, both virtual and live. And so now, onward. Everybody misses it and really missed it last year. It just felt really, really strange. That is the main thing that will make life feel normal again. August every year is such a good feeling. It's just amazing to have this on our doorstep. I'm so excited. <laughs> I'm so excited for the festival this year. Make us laugh or make us our hearts leap and make us sing with joy. It's that, that being together is such a key thing. And that's what the Edinburgh International Festival does. Good afternoon, Anthony, and thank you for joining us today. I believe you're on an Hebridean island, um, but we wanted to take this chance to catch up with you. Um, you are the director of the Pleasant Theatre, which is based in Edinburgh and London, but has been so involved in the development of the Fringe Festival um, over the last 35 years. And from what I understand, the Pleasance is probably one of the biggest um, places, theatres and operations within the Fringe. Could you sort of take us through how this all came to be and what the Pleasance is looking to be doing in this coming season? Yeah, of course. Well, it's a pleasure to be here. Thank you for having me. Um, I shall try to give you a short appraisal of the, of the history of the Pleasance as I can, because uh, it's 37 years or so, and it's, um, it's a long, old time, and a lot has happened. Um, it was started by a school teacher called Christopher Richardson um, in 1985. He came up here on a sabbatical, and um, 
his nephew was in a play at the Little Theatre, which is where the Pleasance is now. And um, he put on a, a small festival. His, um, it, it, he presented 12 shows and he made £200. Um, I think because he made two hundred pounds, I thought he, he thought he'd come back the following year. I think if he'd lost two hundred pounds, he might not have done. Um, but he made two hundred pounds. He came back. He said it took him fifteen years to make that two hundred pounds again. But he loved every single minute of it. Um, and anyway, so every year he would add another venue. Um, well, every two years, I got involved with him the following year, um, and we've sort of it, it, it he was very much the boss stood down in 2004 when i took over um after some time away i'd been off doing something else but the two of us have remained very good friends and really have worked together since the start of the pleasance and and um, seen it grow from what was then one venue, two venues with 12 shows. Last year we opened 33 venues and we presented nearly 300 shows a day. So it's, so it's more of a conglomerate of venues than... It's a, micro, it's, a, it's, a, it's a microcosm of the entire festival. We're, a, we're an umbrella organisation. We design and build and open a number of venues across the city um, and we program them. So it's our festival. It's a festival within a festival, if you like. Um, it's a curated program. Um, there is a, a, a good deal of theatre, a lot of new writing, a huge amount of um, new writing. And there is a, a, a large degree of comedy. Um, but dance, you name it, live music, we, we, we do it all. And, and, a, and also a very, very big committed children's audience. Um, we introduced the Kids Zone 10 years ago and last, in 2019, I think we introduced something like 48,000 children to the fringe. So it really is a, it's a destination. It's a, it's a very pretty destination. A lovely kind of cobbled courtyard uh, with a great totem pole that stands in the middle, middle that, that, that looks like a kind of bizarre balancing act, which is a bit how I, I feel we are sometimes. Um, but it points its you know, arms in various directions to various venues. Um, and, and you have and I think also you, in Islington, um, you also have London and Islington um, in the off-season, as it were. Yes, I often joke that... Uh, the, the festival takes 12 months of the year to plan and put on. And then in the other 12 months of the year, we run the London Theatre. So it's really, I mean, it's very much a full on um, organization. And the same team does both. I mean, it, it, London came about because the organization needed a cash flow through the dark winter months. Um, the, there used to be a terrifying moment in November when you had to pay the VAT bill. <laughs> and then somehow you'd get through to the spring when someone would pay you a deposit. And there was a gap in the middle. And Christopher really believed that it was in order to fill that gap, he needed an operational year round. So our, our heart and our soul is Edinburgh, but our brains are in London. Um, and it's where we do a lot of development work. We develop a lot of plays, new comedy, um, new writing. There's a, there's a real sense of a community around developing work there. 
which is great fun. So th this has been such a uniquely challenging time. I mean, we've been created, we haven't stopped creating, but we've had to create in different ways. You said that last year you did over 300 shows. Were those all on, those were online last year? No, no, this is 2019. Oh, so 2019. before, pre-pandemic, pre we did 300 shows. Oh. I mean, this, this last year we have been busy. I mean, we've done, we rebuilt the auditorium in London to form a, a cabaret space. I, I, I realised that people seemed to be more comfortable sitting around a table than they were sitting in rows of seats. And so we took all the seats out and we put in a, um, a cabaret auditorium with little chairs and tables and let people order their drinks throughout the show. And you could order a pizza from the restaurant downstairs and people seemed to like it. Um, and it's we've it, we've hit upon a new a new model. We don't quite do as well at the box office, but but the bar makes up for it. But the dinner theatre element of it is sort of making it work. And it's a yeah, that 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 bit that bit works. I mean, you have to be careful what you program. Although we've had a couple of serious pieces of drama, and it's amazing. Even if you say to people you can order a drink throughout the show, they just don't. You know, everyone's gripped to what's going on stage, so people don't they don't kind of break the break that that silence. It's it's fascinating. I was fascinated by that. Um, I'm rather encouraged. Now, as you look at the programming for th this coming um, eight, uh, August in uh, Edinburgh, um, is it taking on that type of format, or are you back to normal and everything's in the theatres and your your spaces? Or what? Where are you? Where are you going to be programming, and how? No, I mean, we're very, very much smaller. Um, we're presenting probably only about six to seven percent of what we would normally do um, because of restrictions, because of delays, because of uh, because of really not being able to get clarity around what was going to be feasible. Um, we couldn't do that much. I mean, there's not only the government to consider, but there's also the university who are you know, can occasionally be a, a, a little risk averse. Um, and that, you know, means that there's a layer of administration to get through. And I, and I don't blame them for it, but it can just take time. And so therefore we've had to compress down into a much smaller event. Um, event Scotland, I'm glad to say, are um, giving us a little bit of funding to support you know, the mitigations that we've had to put in place for COVID. But essentially, I think we're, we, if we're lucky at the courtyard, we'll open three venues instead of the normal 16 that we would do there. Wow. And we're also going to open four venues at the International Conference Centre, where normally we would open six or seven. So, I mean, the Conference Centre is great because it has a technical infrastructure. Yes. Yes, that we don't need to put in. So it's more economical. It works, you know, for the companies. It's it's not as romantic as the Pleasance Courtyard, but it's still a great uh, it's still a great venue, and we can do some quite complicated things. Um, so I'm looking forward to that. But it is a, it, it's a very different program. I mean, theatre companies have not had time to work. Um, comedians have not had time to write material and practice it and get it out there. The, 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 the time frame to get this on is so short. We're doing what we would normally do in a year. We're trying to do it in six weeks. 
we are we recently managed to have our very first um so somewhat of an event um and we had some bagpipers from nyu and they said it was the first time they had played together in a year a year, wow. a year and a half and that's yeah. the thing they've all you know the the, the practicing they said we need yeah. a few more weeks to really get ourselves back together. So, Indeed. <laughs> so, what are you looking forward to most um, as we come into August? Um, because you were vice chairman um, over at uh, with the fringe um, on the board for so many years. So, you know, talking in a broader sense, apart from the pleasants, what else do you hear and feel? about this August. I think it's rather special well, for the people of Edinburgh, isn't it? Yeah, I think it could be a very, I, I hope what it can be is a festival that brings people back to the, the reason for the festival existing in the first place. I think it's fair to say that the festival occasionally does lose its way and it needs to regroup and it needs to, um, it needs moments of pause to, to check itself. Um, I mean, from a very personal point of view, last year, whilst it was very difficult not to be doing it, I did actually get a great sense of time off. And it was a real time to be able to reflect on what we're doing, where we're going and see whether the thing needs to change. I mean, it, within such a politicised environment within the arts, it's very easy for it to become, you know, entrenched in a particular direction. So. I think there's an opportunity for us to do something very special and to try and reflect what those original values were about, what it was like when I joined in the 1980s, um, and just you know recalibrate the thing in a way. I mean, it, it it it's not going to come back in the same way that we had it in 2019. And anyone who thinks that, I think, is probably a little mad. Um, as the same for all of the entertainment industry. These industries are going to change over the next decade. And we are creative, inventive, clever people. Um, this industry is full of them. And so it won't be the same. It'll be completely different in some ways. The, the, it'll be recognizable, but it won't be the same. So I'm looking forward to the change. I think the, the arts embraces change and, we, and, and it's exciting. But look at how we're communicating. You're up in the Hebrides, I'm in New York, and we're putting on, as you know, we're going to be able to utilize all these different platforms. We're going to go out on Spotify and all the rest and on YouTube and reach so many people with your message and, and, and your update. And I think that's very exciting, you know, the, 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 what we're able now to do in this yeah. become the norm, the more the norm. With um, in regard to what the productions that will be going on in August, will there be some streaming of them? Will they be recorded to see later? Um, what is happening? I know that the fringe is doing some of that, but not everywhere. But the, what is the pleasance up to? Yeah, well, we've we've I hope we've got some really exciting things. I mean, I was only the other day we had the band Shamanic um, performing in the courtyard and Maria, whose surname I've completely forgotten. Um, oh, it's gone from my brain. I've completely forgotten her. How embarrassing. Um, anyway, she paints 
and it's projected onto the courtyard walls. And it's the most beautiful uh, murals that she creates, and it's all live, done live. But of course, they couldn't film during the daytime. They have to do it at night. And they were filming only five days after the summer solstice. And um, so, of course, it, was not, it doesn't get dark until half past 11 at night. So everything has to be done really quietly, which asking a kind of rock band to play quietly is really quite difficult. Um, so I, I, I apologise to any of the neighbours who we may have disturbed, but it was a fast, it was a fabulous evening. And of course, the only reason they can't do it normally with big crowds of people. So the plan is to film it. They filmed it with drones and so on. So we're going to put that online as a, as a piece of work from them. Uh, we've been working with Falmouth University, um, who got a little bit of funding. I think we got some funding through the Arts Council, along with them. We've been running a programme of filming work specifically to put online for this festival. So there's a number of pieces that will be, will be presented there that will be part of the Fringe Player, so which is hosted by the Fringe Society. So um, as we wrap this little session up, this session up with you, um, one, I would love it if we could come back and have a, a short, you know, an update with you in a few weeks' time, and if you have yeah, a bit of, of news within the fringe, um, we also will report on this on our Facebook and our magazine, and um, would love to know links and all the rest of it. We'll put up the link to the Pleasants so that people can check in with you. Thank um, you. And that would be great. Um, could you just let us know what the best one website to use is? It's um, www.pleasance.co.uk. Fabulous. And um, I have to say, I look forward to seeing Maria's artwork and to being able to share that video. That sounds wonderful. It's great. Um, I'm, I'm embarrassed that I've complete forgotten her surname i'm i'm i i've only met her once so i'm i could be forgiven but i i um she's astonishing i was showing pictures to people the other day i took my 12 year old daughter to watch her and she was completely amazed by what she was doing that so it's very very special your daughter onto the next stage of her life absolutely you know? yeah <laughs> well we're but all for it's that for you to bring Edinburgh to us in that way. I know the courtyard that you speak of, and I also have been to Islington, um, to your theatre there. So um, I look forward to, to being able to experience it again very soon. So thank, thank you, you, Anthony. And um, I think uh, for interrupting your Hebridean moment, uh, but this has been wonderful. Thank you. Lovely, thanks. Francesca, I'm so grateful that you found a moment to join us today and to tell us about what's going to be happening um, at the festival this year. That's good. It's really good to be with you. <laughs> so, um, Francesca, the festival, in fact, began in 1947. And it came out of a time when you were lifting the spirits of everybody after the war. And I noticed in some remarks you made the other day how you lightened keeping this the festival going and making it happen in this difficult time was so important once again for similar reasons to bring us out of COVID. 
So could you talk to us about the history, how it's developed and uh, how you're going to handle this year? Sure, well, yes, you're right. The festival started in 1947 and it was the brainchild of a man called Rudolf Bing, who was a refugee, um, a German refugee, um, uh, who came over to, to Scotland with the belief that um, through arts and culture and by experiencing something very beautiful that communities could come together and find commonality and understanding with each other and I think it really gave Edinburgh at that time um, a reason to celebrate. Uh, 1947 post-war was still very difficult times in the UK and lots of austerity and I think um, it really gave the city something to um, coalesce around and look forward and, and, and enjoy. So that was, the, that was the original festival that was um, an invitation only festival and that's remained the sort of idea behind the international festival all the way through. Um, and in that first festival, um, some of those local artists and theatre companies who weren't invited to take part decided that they were going to do something anyway. And that's the origin of the Fringe. Right. Uh, because they were a fringe around the, the original one. So we've both grown up together over the last 70 something years um, and now work very happily together, I'm pleased to say. But that, um, that sort of essence of coming together after a period of real sort of difficulty and you know, trauma is something that I think it's very difficult not to see parallels in today. Whereas we were coming out of hopefully we're coming out of the pandemic and the real you know troubles that people have experienced in their professional and personal lives and the absence of communion that I think we've all felt over the last months and years as we've been all stuck at home working from home not being able to see our friends not being able to go to concerts or theatres um, it's been a real miss you know a real loss so that's something that we're hoping to bring back this this year. But you have so many disciplines that you go across. And I think that really came across to me last year when you went virtual. Um, and uh, um, so could you maybe give us some of the highlights that you're going to be doing? You've got three main hubs, as I understand it, and then some other places as well. But what, what can people be looking to see? It's not just theater. It's also opera and different. That's right. That are happening. So, so I suppose what's different about the international festival is that we are multi-genre. We we every year we put on shows that cross um, opera, theatre, music, both contemporary and classical music and dance as well. Um, so all of those you'll find this year in the festival in some way or another. The one that we're struggling with slightly is dance because of the necessary social distancing uh, measures that still have to be in place. So the repertoire around dance is a little bit challenging in, 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 <laughs> in, in that sense. But there will be dance online that you can see. So we've got some, some, some lovely things coming up. Uh, for that but um, yes otherwise you'll see opera so we've got Scottish opera with full staff happening at the festival theatre in music we have a really full and kind of broad um, classical music program 
we've got a really big contemporary music program and for the first time we've got a, a, a curated program around traditional music as well, Scottish traditional music that's taking place in one of our venues as well. So, so that's that's a sort of a new departure as well as um, as well as some uh, uh, theatre as, as well. Not not quite as much because it's a little bit difficult uh, to bring over companies this this year um, uh, because again because of the social distancing measures and the travel restrictions and as well. Restrictions. And because yes. of that, not all of us will probably be able to be in Scotland in August as we might like to be. Um, but will we be able to visit, uh, watch this online? Will this be streamed live or will it be after the event? And will there be a separate calendar that can we can keep our members and friends up to date with and they can check in on? Indeed. So if you go online to eif.co.uk, you'll be able to see the whole programme there. And there will be some live digital events that you can see and they're in the timeline, they're in the programme, so you can see them just as though they're another venue. And then on top of that, what we'll be doing is curating a programme of um, recorded events that we'll have throughout the festival. We can't unfortunately stream everything that we've got, um, but some real highlights in there we will we'll be putting out um, online as well. So you'll be able to see some, some of the really best parts of the festival. And they'll stay up a little bit after the festival as well. So if you don't quite catch, catch them during the week that they're on, you'll, you'll have a chance afterwards as well. Now I've got to ask you this, what are you looking forward to seeing the most? What's I think four staff sounds wonderful, but um, and I, I'm I'm excited to hear that. But are there some other highlights that you are looking forward to seeing? So uh, some of the things I'm really looking forward to seeing is just I was just going through the program earlier actually, and just the the number of fabulous women that we've got in the program this year is particularly strong I think so we've got you know we've got Rene Fleming we've got Joyce De Donato we've got Nicola Benedetti we've got uh, Marin Olsop we've got Nadine Shah we've got the Unthanks we've got so many so many great women in in the program this year that that's that's what I'm looking forward to the strength of it um and I must say that we would not be anything without our artistic our artists and um, our artistic community and as you said to see our community at large coming back together will be wonderful i've been noticing that in everything and anything we've been doing the last few weeks but last year you did a wonderful project bringing people to the artists together called my light shines on mm -hmm. and the this year the real strength for the artist must be the fact that the festival is happening I think that's right. I mean, you know, we were we were very proud of what happened last year with My Light Shines On. We were able to you know, give work to over 500 artists and creative art workers as part of that. I think this year we were so determined to come back and do something live, partly because of the, you know, we've all missed live performance, but also because of the role that the festival plays in the city and with Scotland. It's about providing confidence for artists and for the city and everybody that relies upon the festival to to come back so this year we've got over a thousand artists in the program and so just to be able to to say that we give work to that many people is just that that's what makes it feel good and that's what we're really be determined to be able to do this but year. i think also the idea of these wonderful outdoor spaces pavilions you're putting together 
perhaps that will be a trend going forward. I mean, to be um, at the, in the quad of the of Edinburgh University is fantastic. I mean, in that setting, I think that just adds to the whole romance of the festival too. I hope so. I mean, it'll be fascinating to see how audiences and artists react to being in those spaces because it's very very different we've been in our our venues you know our traditional venues uh, for for many many years and we can't wait to go back into them but I think it will definitely bring something different this year to to the festival and I you know I'm looking forward to seeing it I think one of the things we always sort of have to be slightly aware of is the the weather in August in Edinburgh can be a little bit temperamental so um <laughs> I think <laughs> all I'd say is come if you're coming come with your raincoat as well <laughs> and your blanket and your, bla <laughs> and your blanket yes and your blankets so just come prepared for everything including the, a possible shower <laughs> thank you so much for finding some time to talk to us Francesca and if possible we'll try to link up with you ahead of the festival to hear that last minute news um, but we're really excited to be uh, um, looking forward to August and to the festival. So it's the 7th to the 29th, is that right? That's right, that's right. Yeah. So thank you. And we're going to put up some details of how everybody can check in and find out about everything. Thanks. Excellent, good. Well, I hope you managed to see some stuff you like online. <laughs> well. Okay, good. Thank you. Salt water and scenty fell my head Darkness falls on the bridge Treading on concrete slabs running fingers over crack paint On railings that divide People within nets of sin Within tenements loom as darkness for the crows end. You're never alone within these streets Cackles of girls and trackies and short skirts Blue and green, they're always seen on Saturday It's just the way it's always been There's more to this reverend land She'll open her arms and welcome your feet Soon you'll see it's more than the boats that are made of steel Ladies roll the trolleys down the road Messages for children's children Men's and tatties But not for lessons It's always better the next day Head running by Scuffed like clocks Slamming pavements High before it's too dark It's not there's more to this river and land She'll open her arms and welcome your feel Soon you'll see it's more than the boats that are made of steel
church lies in the night Reflections of times of the past On gravestones sipping on their buckfire It's monks that make it They'll say we're holier than you We're saving our sin and for a rainy day It's not just ship land, there's more to this reverend land She'll open her arms and welcome you'll feel And soon you'll see it's more than the boats that are made of Good afternoon, Lindsay, uh, and thank you so much for carving out some time to speak to us today um, from the Edinburgh Fringe. You are just coming up to announcing the program. Um, I know it's more challenging this year, but against where we were a year ago, this is fantastic. So can you bring us up to date on how we are looking for this year, um, but also to start off perhaps by giving us a look back to 1947 and the first days of the Fringe. Oh, um, good afternoon to you and thank you for having me. Um, a little time travel adventure, that would be a great Fringe show in and of itself. And <laughs> um, oh, so 2020, we didn't have a festival uh, and that was devastating for everybody and that just wasn't an option for us this year. So we'll come back to 2021, but um, the Fringe, uh, the 1947 Fringe, which was um, uh, where eight companies who weren't um, programmed into the International Festival decided to come to the city and present their work anyway, in that original act of defiance that that birthed the uh, not even just the Edinburgh Fringe, but the concept of fringe festivals and fringe theatre. And it's been at the heart of what the Fringe stands for ever since. It's all about 
There's no curatorial voice. There's no director. There's nobody who tells you that you can or can't bring your work to the festival. If you've got a story to tell and a stage on which to tell it, then Edinburgh is, is yours. And that principle, which has been there from day one, uh, has seen us through the last, um, next year will be our 75th anniversary. Uh, and it's um, it's what makes the Fringe particularly special and it, what, what makes it a particular joy to work for as well, to be honest. But you're, um, I've had a few companies that we've worked with who um, have been bringing productions across to you. And it's still, you know, it is an undertaking. They do need to, I want to make sure that our audience understands that they do need to plan. They can't just complain <laughs> and, and think that they're going to be able to perform quite. Um, you know, it, it, the fringe has developed into this mm. huge production I think you had over 3,000 productions in mm -hmm. 2019 and yeah it does take quite a lot so the enthusiasm and the spark and and let's put this together and go for it is there but um the it has it does have a formality to it in as much as they need to find yeah the I mean, you're absolutely right. Um, it really comes down to, the, and again, it's one of the best things about the festival is it really is about what you want to achieve out of it. So the thing that people, a lot of people don't really realise about the Fringe is, yes, it's this incredible meeting of um, artists and audiences and a chance to see work, but actually there's a huge marketplace that runs underneath it, equivalent to, you know, your Venice Biennale, your Cannes Film Festival, your South by Southwest. And the, the people, the artists that want to come because they know the Fringe is incredible for their career and could potentially get them to the next step those are the ones that that you know the um the the vim and vigor isn't going to get them far enough they have to do a huge amount of preparation and it does pay off but you're right it's an it's an enormous undertaking particularly for international companies and it's an enormous um financial risk at times which we we hope in many cases leads to a, to a reward not necessarily immediately um but actually many artists get booking for multiple years and um, so mm -hmm. there is it really comes down to what you want to do because actually there is a version of it where if you're a, um, a, a musician or an emerging comic or even an emerging um, performance artist you could jump on a plane come to Edinburgh do lots of open mic slots and you know do some bucket in the hat speeches do some street performance some busking and and have an incredible festival experience but also if you're looking for um international touring and a world-renowned agent that might not be the best approach so really it is about what you how you want to fringe that's the beauty of it is you can do it how you want to do it and there's a pathway for you and I think the thing is to experience the fringe oh, it's is so fantastic. So I mean, the energy in the city is just incredible. Um, it is incredibly busy, but I think you have it very well organized now. Thank you. <laughs> you know what I mean? There's, there is, though you have huge crowds, there is a way to eat and to enjoy and to get your tickets. And so the, the Edinburgh International is more of the senior curated formal situation, but there is this wonderful energy that you have to the fringe. And this year, how are you handling it? How We know that the program will be um, announced more formally at the beginning of July in about two weeks time, but how, what are we looking at? Oh, um various different things and um, that also made me quite nostalgic I miss miss the uh the thrum and the feeling and the, there is nothing else in the world like it um 
you know, I've, I've been to South by and I've been on Sixth Street at the point where all of the conferences converge and that feels like the nearest I ever got to it outside Edinburgh, but it is, it's so unique and it's partly unique because of the city, like the, the, the structure of Edinburgh that's built around the old volcano and the caves and the fact that you go down a hill, but then you come out on top of a bridge and all of that, like it's so unique to the, to the geography of the place and 2021 we we're hopeful that there'll be some live stuff it is we are two weeks away from our first on sale it won't be all the shows it will just be those that are ready to go on sale the fringe is always in this rolling we don't have a you know a fixed program date or and that sort of stuff so more shows will come on as as the um the situation in the city changes in terms of covid regulations and distancing regulations but there is the spirit of the fringe will live on uh, we're hopeful there definitely be some outdoor events that's i think that's pretty much guaranteed and now it just comes down to how many people can go and what distancing looks like and there'll be some energy the street performers are always in the city whether it's the festival or not there you can't stop them uh, they, they're their streets and they own them and then maybe some indoor stuff if if covid restrictions and case rates and vaccinations and all of those perfect storm of things that we're currently dealing with if all of that comes together um, and then alongside that we've got we've got a lot of stuff that that's moving online and um, which is all about giving those artists an opportunity to meet audiences but also maintaining those really really important international connections and maintaining those really important conversations so the idea that you can be in the fringe but not in edinburgh that's quite new to us this year and and we 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 like that even though we are a live event and we want people to come to the city but i'm hoping it won't it won't feel the same it certainly won't um but i'm hoping that there is a spirit of the fringe and i'm quite excited by the fact that um you know the festival is busy and it and it takes it puts a lot of pressure on what is quite a small city we're only sort of you know half a million people the edinburgh residents will get to absolutely just revel in the festival it'll almost be like their festival again and i think that's 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 probably only ever going to happen this year and that's quite special um which is brilliant now last year there were some performances happening and you were doing a lot for the artists as well mm -hmm. yeah and that was very important because th this is they have been so badly affected and so to see them able to do more this year is important but what you started last year um, in support of them had a wonderful reaction didn't it yeah and i guess that when we when we looked at the the crisis that was in front of all of us not just the fringe and the fringe society you know we 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 earn our living out of the festival that we deliver we're not subsidized we're not funded if any of your um listeners or watchers wish to contribute generously to the festival and the artists then we would very much welcome that um but we the the existential crisis that came with suddenly having how you earn your living made illegal essentially and um, we knew instantly that that we had we had priorities and they were we had to support artists in whatever way we could we had to support our international relationships and we had to look at how to build back for the future so with artists it was about giving them spaces to talk to one another to continue their professional development to meet and and engage with industry one of the things that was really successful last year and um we'd always wanted to move into an online space but actually had never really had the guts to do it and it always been like 
like, oh, it's really risky. It's going to take ages. And then COVID happened and we were like, uh oh, we need to do this now, which was putting um, the opportunity for uh, industry people like tour bookers and programmers and festival managers, putting that engagement platform online so that artists could showcase their work, which means we had programmers, hundreds of programmers from across the world looking at work also from across the world and making plans. Yes, maybe for 21 and 22, but those artists were still able to make those connections and ultimately um, we we weren't able to give artists the opportunity to present their work live but we were able to give them the opportunity to continue on their, their career pathways because the the thing we definitely didn't want was to lose all that incredible talent just because because it's not their fault that they that they can't earn a living doing the thing that, that they're brilliant at so we just wanted to make them realized that there was still a structure and a network and a support system there for them and that uh, there were still audiences that wanted to talk to them and that was just really a key focus and is still a key focus what are we doing that supports artists to make work that audiences want to see because ultimately that's what we're all in it for right just artists and audiences coming together and having a great time and you um and it's multidisciplined the disciplines mm -hmm. i mean you've got wonderful comedy shows you've got formal theatre musicals and uh, so it's across everything I was so pleased this week to receive an email from 59 East 59th Street New York um, that their East Edinburgh Festival was going virtual this year that they have nine plays that would normally be coming across to you that they're going to be presenting in July and I know that it keeps everything going because they're so keen to be back over with you they've been coming for many years now haven't they yeah and they they're a great example of the thing the things that people don't realize are really special and really um that are almost invisible to visitors of the fringe in the um it's, it's kind of like having a baby it takes it takes a village and 59 east 59 are a community of of you know um i guess west coast based artists that come together and we come to, you know we'll come to new york and, and talk to artists and the community that want to share their information that want to help make that work happen um it's that sort of the, the fringe doesn't appear overnight and fringe artists don't appear overnight and it's not just what happens in, in edinburgh it's what happens wherever you're coming from it's about who gives you the the space to rehearse, who gives you the space to test work out on new audiences, who helps you collaborate with other artists that are coming over to make things like freight and all of that sort of stuff cheaper. It's these pockets of communities. Yeah. The Fringe is just made up of these communities of people and all feeding into one community. And it's um, it's the thing about it that keeps it quite fresh and quite relevant and keeps it quite um despite the more commercial elements of it and there's you know there are lots of very very successful and very um commercial elements to the fringe it keeps it quite grassroots and it keeps it embedded in artists and what artists want to do so i'm delightful to see them online because actually we know they it's not their fault they can't come here right it's 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 covid's fault and and the ability to still connect and, and to make that work and for them to still be part of the fringe in some way um it's just it's just lovely and and the work that they do just in supporting artists to make the most of their fringe opportunity they're a really great example of of um of how that fringe community really corrals around one another to make the most of it it's brilliant and back the other way that was what was confusing me for a second is that the people they are a great incubator for productions from scotland coming across yeah to the uh, to new york and getting 
uh, a, a preview, as it were, before maybe a major production. Yeah. Um, I mean, the Dundee rep has been working there. Many different co uh, companies have worked there, taking their new work that they may have previewed in at the Edinburgh Fringe and then bringing it to New York to 59 East 59. So that shows the two-way track yeah. of this whole artistic mo moment. So what, as you get that secret view of all the planning, what are you look? can you give us any little hints of some of the things you're looking forward to? Um, not specifics because it's, <laughs> it's more, it's literally more than my job's worth. Um, my, I, my, as a fringe society employee, I am impartial to the day that I die. I love them all equally, but what I am looking forward to, um, in the digital space is the opportunity to look at how people are responding to it as a medium rather than as just a um a flat screen through which to present their work i, I i'm really excited about things that are coming through that are made for this sort of interaction rather than and i think that works very successful and i also think that work has a future beyond um you know as being forced into consuming everything via screen um in person I mean, I'm looking forward to anything that involves sitting next to somebody and hearing somebody other than my husband laugh, to be perfectly honest. But I'm, I'm looking forward to the um, the things I love most about the fringe are those moments where, um, and I'm quite, um, I'm quite sort of unselective about work. I will see, I'll, you know, try and consume as much as possible. And, you know, I flit across genre and I know what I like, but I also know that I'm willing to try most things. What I'm really looking forward to is that moment when you're sat in a play or a dance piece or a comedy or a music, music show or even a spoken word where you feel that everybody else around you feels the same. And there's that sort of frisson of electricity that, that just that just feels like nothing else anywhere else. And it, you know, it's the same, you can get it if you go to a football match and you, you join in on the stands, but it is that thing about sitting there and knowing that every single person in that room is in that moment with you and they feel exactly the same. And God, I miss that so much, so much miss that feeling of connecting with people through uh, what we're seeing on the stage, like to the point where I'm starting to get all poetical and, and teary eyed about like genuinely miss those moments of, connection and those moments of, of of wonder we saw a show a few years ago which was a um a mime show and it was a very great mime show and he he had a great soundtrack that was all choreographed and it was he would he had a piece of chalk and he would draw things on the set and there was just there was a kid in the audience with the most infectious laugh like this kid just had one of those little kid laughs that just ripples and it was one of the most delightful 45 minutes of my life because everyone in that room's just energy and joy levels were through the roof because this little kid was like ah! And honestly, it was just like, it's one of those things, the, sh the show was great and the experience was great, but actually the thing that was most memorable was just the joy that this little kid's laughter brought to everybody else in the room. And you can't get that anywhere else, but the live events and God, I, I really, really do miss it actually. And that's what I'm looking forward to. I'm looking forward to those minor shared moments of that, that pass with people that you don't even know that are only possible because you're, you're sharing the experience that an artist has chosen to put forward for you. Oh, that's, a, that's enough whimsy for me. <laughs> I think we, um, the one thing that does seem to have come from this is that we do perhaps appreciate things more. Mm. I know that 
I miss so many things. And when I do experience, um, so we did a small event where we were allowed to have uh, pipers, a group of five of them without having any marching around and dancers, but they couldn't have it. They had to use just the boom box <laughs> and not proper thing. You know, all these things, but it was still wonderful just to have them perform. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So I have to ask you, just in closing, I ha do have to ask you, do people purchase a ticket in order to be able to experience the different things or do they, how is this being done this year? And then where can we put, we want to put up some things at the end of this so people know where to go. Absolutely. It is my favourite question. Uh, people people think the Fringe um, might operate like Glastonbury, like my mum was like, how much is a ticket? Uh, the Fringe is um, all of the Fringe Society's job is to support artists. So we sell tickets on their behalf. So every ticket that you buy, every donation that you make, every digital event that you go to, um, all that money is going back to the artists. So just it's not we're not a festival that's that that keeps box office revenue and that feeds our that's all going back to the artists. So please buy me and donate generously if you are um, and they're they're all priced individually by what the artist um, and you can buy when we go on sale from the 1st of July with the first batch of shows and um, that you can just buy them on tickets.edfringe.com you can search through various criteria really encourage people especially if you're um, if you have types of artists that you like or or, or um, venues whose work you've admired in the past to you know check them out on social media check them out on sign up to their mailing list because they're all going to be pushing their their work much more in that way because they've got no way to fly you in the street and that sort of thing so um but usually i mean the average ticket price is 10 pounds in england what's that 15 18 dollars oh. in america so it's really it's a it's a really affordable festival and um you we we as i said we go on sale on the first of july and when we'll be going on sale with more shows as they become ready to be on sale each week after so um uh, in in the spirit of plugging things, if you sign, if you go to our website edfringe.com and sign up to our newsletter, we'll just tell you when there's more shows, and then you can go and browse. And we've got some great web tools. You can add things to your favourites. You can schedule stuff. You can, and yeah, and as I said, every penny that um that are that all the ticket sales go directly to the artists and the companies and the venues and the producers that that make the work amazing, and um yeah, online and in person. So that's how you do that. I think this is wonderful to know that you're back. Thank you for all you've been doing to make this come together. We realize that it's so much more effort than it has. We've all pivoted into these new ways. And um, we look forward to catching up with you again soon, um, perhaps just before the festival. Or, and we will keep feeding things into our, our different uh lines of communication we're so excited by this it's so important thank you thank you very much and i look you're all very welcome in 2022 uh you can come stay at my house all of you <laughs> <laughs> be careful what you wish for okay thank you so much we'll talk you. to you very soon bye-bye take care bye Der Kreuzter Reske mag das Entrantensbaum, wo ist dort der Kreuzbeam oder was der Brem? Die Ebenen sind am Marginäre gekreuzt, kommt nach dem Stechmeier ins Tanz. 
There's a hundred feet up in the air. The strong. The seafoam fed on so the He's a great star as king. A great star as king. The great star as Sick magic tricks depend upon the ritual And cutly bolts to each pint of the compass To the north bend low in silhouette To the west coat fell in our hands out To the east a young mark in table To the south sweet Athens bony glens The great star The great star Great Starasky burrows and pirouettes And dead myring glances free a blow Sitting gangs up so teary you start gowdy Stomps on his horns disdainful that I ask And lacks out looking life of our mountain joy And all the wee black specks doing foot in the guns The Great Starasky The Great Starasky Poundstone has got that Seems to endless to his palace of circumstance Up here he's freaking rocks and touch the heavens And for you the women rain upon his face He's a great star as Sends a letter and smoke or two in Sagi. 